0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to continue a study in Isaiah chapter 65 where God describes the creation of a new heaven and new earth, and the eternal joy that his people will experience as he will bring them into that new world on the last day. Let's read from Isaiah 65, beginning in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days for the child shall die a hundred years old but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed and they shall build houses and inhabit them and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat for as the days of a tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of Jehovah, and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass, that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy, in all my holy mountain, saith Jehovah. We began to uh, look at verse 17, the last time we were in Isaiah 65, and I'll read that verse again. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. God creates new heavens and a new earth. And of course that uh, is nothing for God to do. He is fully uh, powerful enough. He has the ability, we know that from from the Bible. We know that from the fact that we exist, that we see this creation all around us. Uh, the the world itself and when we look up into the heavens and and we see uh, the sky in the day and and the sun and at night the moon and the stars and we see an enormous creation from our perspective it, it's vast it, it seems to be endless it just goes on and on uh, the telescopes uh, cannot reach the end of the universe, we, we've never been able to find it. And all this we know came into being. All that we see was made from that which does not appear. God just spoke. He said, let there be. In the beginning was God and, and then God spoke and created the world. And the world became visible. It came into existence. And and man created upon it and all the animals and creatures and so forth. And, and that tells us that God can create at will. He can do uh, whatever he desires to do. And he desired to create this world for a particular purpose. And we know because the Bible tells us what that purpose is that it was to um, put forth a display to showcase the wonderful and glorious attributes of God in saving a people for himself, so to all principalities and powers, God could demonstrate his great love and mercy and goodness and so forth, that that the gospel does indeed demonstrate that God's mercy is highlighted because he takes a bunch of rebellious creatures, rebellious sinners created in his image, and for no good reason, no reason at all in them, absolutely no reason for God to save them, Yet out of his own good pleasure, according to his own will and purpose, he does determine to save a remnant out of the whole of mankind and elect people and to shower them with blessings, to forgive all iniquities, all their transgressions, all sin, and and all the punishment that would come with it to pardon them, and and to grant them salvation, forgiveness of sins, and to cleanse them, and make them righteous in his sight, and to do this through his own death in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do this by bearing the sins of the rebels and dying in their place for them in, in order to satisfy the demands of the law, to satisfy justice. God did all these things, and in so doing, he has revealed all of his glorious attributes. They have been seen by all principalities and powers. No one can deny the the tremendous love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And and so, God permitted sin to enter into this world in order for the circumstances to develop so that he could, again, work out his salvation program and be glorified in the process. But God is not a God that uh, can dwell with sin. He's not a God that will put up with sin, and that's why He must destroy sin. He must destroy the ugly, dirty, filthy, rotten, um, terrible thing that sin is. And and who can argue? that sin is ugly when we look around and we see the things that have transpired the the circumstances the events of this world the ugly wars and terrorism and and murders and crimes and hatred it it's just tremendously uh, as ugly as anything could be and it's all because of sin and we haven't even seen the very bottom of it 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 has it seems um, unlimited depths as man 's depravity keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and and so sin is a a terrible thing it 's a terrible thing that God must wipe out he must destroy it in in every um Bit of it. Every aspect to it. God must destroy sin. And to do that, he must destroy the sinner. And he must destroy the creation that has come under the curse because of sin. Due to man's rebellion, God placed a curse upon this entire creation. And so the creation groans. And, and suffers under the, the curse and, and, and the only solution, the only solution is complete and total annihilation of the creation that has seen corruption and of the sinner. And, and that's what God says in Isaiah. Chapter 51, it says in verse 6, Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever." and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Here God is speaking of the heavens and the earth, and he's saying they're going to vanish away and wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein die in like manner. And that means that as we have understood, everyone's always understood this, the universe, this present Sin-cursed universe and Earth will be annihilated. That's always been taught in, um, in even in the church and by theologians. Yes, God's just going to destroy it with fire. It's gone forever, and we don't think that the universe goes to a place of suffering. Of course not. The universe wasn't really at fault. It was man who sinned, man's the uh, responsible creature that that uh, God holds accountable for sin, and God will judge, and the all have understood the universe is simply destroyed the uh, mountains and and the trees and the rivers and the seas, and the animals, creatures, the insects, the fish all. All that live upon the earth, that are not man, are destroyed. They're annihilated. Where do they go? They cease to exist. We've always understood that. Always. All theologians. Well, here in Isaiah 51, verse 6, God says, They that dwell therein shall die in like manner. That is, mankind, the the sinner, the unsaved person, will die in the same way that the world dies, that the animals dies. They will perish like the beasts. That's exactly what God says in Psalm 49. I'll start in verse 11. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, nevertheless, man being in honor, abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. That is the end of man. He's like the beast. And the beast is part of the creation. And how is the creation going to perish? It's going to vanish away like smoke. It's going to be um, uh, wax old like a garment and be gone. Uh, and, and no more. It, it will cease to exist. So also will man. And of course we don't only have Isaiah 51 6 to confirm that, but all through the Bible God keeps saying man will perish. Remember what he says also in the Psalms and, uh, let's see, Psalm 146. In verse 4, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. The Man is like the beast that perish. When he dies, his thoughts perish. When the world ends, his whole existence perishes. Because the only thing left of him was the dust that was in the ground, his physical body. and And that's it. He's gone forever. He has been annihilated. Well, um, I wasn't intending to get into a discussion of annihilation, but that is what's going to happen when God creates the new heavens and new earth, and the former, he says, shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Well, first of all, the former will not exist. Any longer. As we read in Revelation 21 verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. The Hebrew word in Isaiah 65:17, translated as former is often translated as first. And, and so it's, it's telling us the same thing as Revelation 21 1. Uh, uh, God is saying the first earth shall not be remembered or the first heaven shall not be remembered nor come into mind. As he says in Revelation 21.1 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. The world will pass away And how will that happen? The same way it came into being. God will speak a word, be gone, or or whatever he'll say, and uh, let it perish, um, be no more. Uh, That's all God has to say, and his word has such power and might and ability that it will be done. It will be accomplished and and I know uh, you know we're we're um, creatures and and all we've ever known is this creation the uh, the material things around us uh, the the uh, the physical earth and and the physical things that that everywhere we see even our own body it's physical it's part of this world and and we can't really imagine it just being gone but God is able and God has said that's what is going to happen this world will will disappear it will be removed Let, let's take a look at second peter chapter 3 again Second Peter three, where God speaks of the annihilation of the earth and and also therefore the annihilation of the sinner. Uh, In second Peter three it says in verse ten, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements "...shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." You, you see here, God is describing the events of the last day, the last day for this world, and... He's going to set in motion a fire, a fervent heat, which will melt the creation. It'll melt the earth, the heavens, it it says, being on fire will be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, like wax before a fire. It just melts away. And, of course, God's people, his elect, those that he have saved are not burned up; they they do not melt away; they do not vanish away; they are not annihilated at all. But they have eternal life, and and Christ has come, uh, according to other scripture, and he has uh, resurrected the elect dead, and they have been caught up to be with the Lord, and he has then resurrected or raptured, the elect physically alive, still on the earth, and they are also caught up to be with him, and now God has his people, He which was the entire uh, purpose for the whole creation. It, it was the purpose for the unfolding of history, the allowance of time over the course of these 13,027 years, there has only always been one purpose. It's never been so people can, um, grow up and, and, uh, get a job and make money and, and have a home and have a family and, and enjoy themselves and have a nice life. That's never been the purpose for earth. It's never been the purpose at any time in history. God's purpose has always been his elect, his people. Yes, everything has worked out. All, all things have come into being and all history has played out for the sake of God's elect people. And I know to the people of the world, they, they hear this and they think that we have big heads or something, but it's what the Bible teaches. That God has a great concern, and always a great concern, for the vessels of mercy. As we read in Romans chapter 9, in this passage, the Lord um, divides the human race between saved and unsaved, between vessels of mercy and vessels of, of wrath. Uh, the unsaved, and notice what he says here in uh, Romans 9. It says in verse 20, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, and another unto dishonor. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory? In other words, God has been long-suffering, patient, allowing the world to continue, and it's in that period of God's allowance that men live, and they pursue their careers and and grow their families and, and build their homes. But the purpose, from God's perspective, the reason why he was um he endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction was for one reason that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy that is salvation salvation we we also read in second peter 3 we just read god is describing the destruction of the world and there's a statement made that explains this same thing in verse 15 of 2 Peter 3. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of our Lord. And, and that means when we, uh, down through the centuries, as men did evil, often horrible evil, that God did not come and destroy them um, 5,000 years ago, or 3,000 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or 100 years ago, always the reason was, I have more more people, I have more vessels of mercy, more elect, must be born into the world, must come under the hearing of the gospel. And must be saved. Therefore, from uh, God's perspective, He could not destroy the world in the 19th century or the 20th century. He had to continue to allow it to, uh, time to, uh, develop and, and day after day to pass. And the world, the world thinks that it's um invulnerable it it thinks it, it it's as a result, because, as the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, when sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And that's what's happened. The world uh, it is under a false sense of security. A false sense of certainty that they will continue on, especially after May 21, 2011 apparently came and went without incident. Oh, now they're solid like a rock, set in their ways, their sinful course, and they don't care about any, any date. Uh, they laugh at dates. They mock dates. And go ahead, uh, tell us all about all the dates you want. We've lived through a dozen of them. And it's a completely false sense of security. Uh, you know, the, the world should be about as secure in thinking um, that October 7th will not happen because there's been a dozen past dates they They lump them all together, you know, like y two k in twenty twelve things that had nothing to do with the bible but but they just put it all together uh and they've lived through them all and and so they falsely think, well, this means uh we'll never die well the world will never end because we went through those other dates and and yet what they don't realize, it, if you want to look at it that way, it's like a man who has cancer, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor sets a date and says, look, you got about a year to live. And so the man uh, lives a year, goes to the doctor, I, I don't understand why you're still alive um, completely, but you are. And it looks like you might even live another Another six months. And so another date is set, and he lives beyond that. And maybe this happens three or four times. And after a few years, the man starts thinking, well, um, you know, the doctor keeps saying I'm going to die, and I keep living. I'm not going to listen to the doctor anymore. And he starts uh, making long-range plans and, and thinking he's going to be there for a while yet, and the next day he dies. Because his foolish mistake was to forget he still had an incurable disease. That he still was diseased and subject to die as a result. And that's man's foolishness to think that because they were able to go through a date or two and, and of course they're even incorrect about that. May 21, 2011, was not a failed day. It was judgment day. God did do as he said and as he proclaimed to the world, and he brought to pass a spiritual judgment. But anyway, we're we're really getting off course now. Uh, let's go back to Isaiah sixty five, to our verse seventeen for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth And the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. As I mentioned before, the Hebrew word translated as former is often translated as first. So it's referring to the first earth. God is going to create a new heavens and new earth. And the first heavens and earth will will not be remembered nor come into mind. And, you know, another thing that has come up several times when we uh, are talking about God destroying this world and creating a new heaven and new earth. Uh, People make reference to a couple of verses in the Bible, uh, or a handful of verses, where God says, World without end. Amen. One place this is found is in Ephesians 3 and um, I'll I'll start reading in verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Now of course when when a person who has a natural mind and who loves this world and the things of this world, as God warns not to do that, but but that's exactly the uh, state the unsaved individual is in. He loves the world. He doesn't love the idea of Christ appearing or the end of the world. Oh no, that frightens him. He doesn't even want to think about it. He loves the world, and then. He, he's also in a church that, that is not a true church. Of course there are no true churches today because the church age is over. But in his particular apostate branch of the church, the church teaches world without an amen. This world will never end. It says it right there. And here's another example of Uh, a verse where if you read it as the churches teach, you should read it. Read the plain and literal meaning and seek no other. And and so you read it and it does indeed say world without end. Amen. And you can find a handful of supporting verses. Uh, For instance, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, it says in verse 4, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. Now that's very clear, isn't it? That's very direct. Put it together with world without end. Amen. And obviously, this world will always be here, just like the people of the world think. Just just like the sinner desires. This world will be here, and so he can safely love it. it. It will never disappoint him. The continuation of the earth is guaranteed. Well, what about uh, Isaiah 51.6? That is going to vanish away. Or Second Peter chapter 3? That God's plan is to burn it up. And what about Revelation 21.1? That the, the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Well, you, you see, now the church must do what it doesn't want to do, and that's compare Scripture with Scripture. And most of the corporate church realizes that this earth will pass away, yet they, they don't go into detail and explain to people that, hey, here's an example of how you have to read the whole Bible. You cannot take a, a simple Uh, apparently simple, plain meaning, and just accept it. You must compare it with everything else in the Bible and make sure all conclusions harmonize. And we could look to No Man Knows a Day or Hour as a very good example of the church doing the exact same thing and coming up with a conclusion that teaches its congregations to be ignorant and therefore to conduct themselves as the unsaved, as the wicked do not know when Christ will come as a thief. But God says in First Thessalonians five four, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Well, anyway, the the answer is when we read those verses, world without end, amen. There's only one world. That qualifies. That's the new earth. The new heaven. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Where God says it is eternal. It is an eternal creation. It will exist forevermore. And so God. Uh, he could make a statement concerning that. Eternal earth at any point, And just not point it out. He'll speak of the the world without end, and he expects the reader, he does command to study to show yourself approved, therefore he expects the reader to do a minimal amount of studying in the scripture, and if they did, they would find, well, it can't be this earth, that's for sure, it must be the new earth, that is, world without end. And here in Ecclesiastes 1, in verse 4, the verse we read, one generation passeth away, that's the generation of evil, and another generation cometh, the generation of the righteous, God's elect, but the earth abideth forever. Not this earth, the new heaven and new earth. Then we have harmony, then everything fits together, and we have truth that's that's uh, how we understand that statement uh, but again I seem to be getting off track um a few times today back in Isaiah 65:17 and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind and just as that's true of the creation it's also true of man the the sinner As we read in Job 24, Job 24, beginning in verse 19, Drought and heat consume the snow waters, so doth the grave those which have sinned. The womb shall forget him, the worm shall feed sweetly on him, he shall be no more remembered, and wickedness shall be broken as a tree so the the man who has sinned will be no more remembered when when god destroys the world uh, you know we still remember people in history who died thousands of years ago and 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 yet when god destroys the world the former the former earth the former heavens the former man that lived upon the earth will no longer be remembered, nor come into mind. And we've also discussed this um, in, in the past. It cannot be. It's not possible that that God's elect, once brought into the new heaven and new earth, can have any recollection, any remembrance of former things, of things of this world and the reason is sin must be eradicated it has to be erased it must be blotted out it must be gone in in every bit of it you you can't have a memory of sin because then you have a memory of disobedience and and, and the memory itself is sin and Therefore, God destroys the earth. He destroys all the sinners, and he removes the memory of this world. Oh, but there are good things of of the world. Uh, What if we remember just those? Couldn't God give us uh, a memory of our mother, a memory of our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, our children... A memory of some good times we had. Not everything is sinful. Well, no, not everything is sinful. But everything is contaminated with sin in this world. Everything is contaminated. We, ourselves, were immersed in it. We are immersed in the sinful atmosphere of this sin-cursed earth and and we can't see it we 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 have a memory and it's pleasant to us uh, uh i've used this example before uh here's here's a memory um a, a man has of when he was a boy and and he's at the game the baseball game with his father they're sitting in the stands and and all is happy and and just enjoying time father and son it's nothing wrong with the event of a baseball game, and, and everything seemed to go well. What's wrong with that memory? Well, um, the father could have been a stepfather, and, and the stepfather uh, is a stepfather because the mother divorced. And, and so they were in, in a, a marriage situation, that was against the Bible. It was a sinful relationship, even though, of course, God would have them continue to be married after they were married and never divorce. But still, in, in a perfect world, and that's what the new heaven and new earth is, perfect, in a perfect world, that situation would not exist. More than that, at the game, that, that wonderful memory, what... The, the man remembering his boyhood forgot was that it was a Sunday afternoon game. It was God's holy Sabbath day. And he's at the game enjoying the hot dogs and, and a soda and, and his favorite team. And he's with his stepdad, but the whole thing, the whole thing, the game itself should not have been played because God commands uh, to all men, remove your foot from his holy day, not doing your own pleasure on his holy day. And, and so the game was in violation of the commandments of God. The, the, the ones who were performing and the ones who were attending were seeking a nice, pleasurable Sunday afternoon, in violation of the word of God, that, that God said, seek not your pleasure on my holy day. And, and so the whole memory that the individual has is immersed in sin. And we just cannot understand. We can't see the sin that, that is so much a part of life in this world. We, we cannot trust any memory. It must be gone. It must be gone from us forever. And that's what God is going to do. Now, in, in an interesting way, God um, speaks of Amalek in a similar way as he does the earth. In a, in a few places, if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 25, in Deuteronomy 25, Beginning in verse 17. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be when Jehovah thy God has given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land Which Jehovah thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. So here God is speaking of blotting out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And this was King Saul's point of failure when through the prophet Samuel he was instructed to go destroy utterly destroy the amalekites to to utterly destroy them utterly destroy and i think it's in 1st samuel 15 is mentioned seven or eight times in the chapter utterly destroy utterly destroy blot out the remembrance of amalek see it's it's focused in on annihilation on the perishing of the Amalekites. So they cease to exist is really the, the picture because the Amalekites are representative of mankind. They're representative of the unsaved people of the earth. And, and Saul's mistake or his failure, his sin, was he spared... Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and and some of the best of the flocks of the sheep. And yet God, one of them, utterly destroyed because it paints the picture of the final and complete judgment, the final destruction of the unsaved. You cannot spare anything. You cannot spare a memory you 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 cannot spare what you think is a good thought of this earth, of of your family or of um, a happy day. No, it must be utterly wiped, utterly blotted out. No remembrance of any kind, no speck of sin, must enter into the new heaven and new earth. In Exodus 17. We read more about the Amalekites, beginning in verse 8. It says, Then came Amalek, and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because Jehovah has sworn that Jehovah will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The uh, phrase generation and generation is a synonym for forever. And notice again, verse 14, write this for memorial in a book, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Again. So they're not even remembered. Uh, the historical reason is because they assaulted Israel when, when they were tired and weary. They came against the weakest and that would point to God's elect, the weary ones of the earth. And the Amalekites had no pity, had no mercy. Therefore God has no pity on them and their judgment is not even to be remembered. The remembrance of them must be blotted out. Now, in Numbers 24, we see why God is using the Amalekites, why that particular people uh, of all the nations, why would he pick Amalek, uh, as all the nations have done uh, sinful things, yet God singled out Amalek, the Amalekites, as a, a figure for annihilation and to no more be remembered. And the reason is given in Numbers 24, in verse 20. And when he looked on Amalek, uh, th- this is um, Balaam, as God has given Balaam words to speak. Uh, Numbers 24, 20. When he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever you see the the word first the word first the former of the nations just as isaiah sixty five um, the former or the first shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Amalek is the first of the nations and Thereby typifying the first earth and, and the people of this earth, this world, the former earth, they will perish forever and they will not come into mind. And it's necessary. It must be this way. There is no way that anything of this earth can be remembered. And, and you know, once the Lord's people enter into the new heaven and new earth, we're not going to give a thought anyway, even if we could. We're not going to look behind. We're going to look forward, look to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look to Almighty God dwelling in our very presence, who we can approach unto and who we can ask questions of and and we can find out about God. Now who who's going to think about uh their life in the past when you have the complete knowledge of God. You have eternal God who knows all things about all things and and whose knowledge spans from eternity past to eternity future and and you can ask him you can talk to him and you can you can just go up to him and 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 say um lord uh can you tell me oh, about some things you've done in eternity past can you start at the beginning <laughs> and is there there's a question we can ask god right away is there a beginning to eternity past no he's he's without Beginning and without end, isn't he? And and so we can uh, we can learn, learn, learn. Today, uh, the, we see the depths of depravity, the depths of wickedness, the depths of evil. Uh, man is unlimited. Uh, there's no boundaries, and in, in how much evil man is able to learn, to experience, to know. That's what he wanted. That's what we wanted in the beginning when we lusted after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the good that we wanted to know because all was good. Everything was created good. Oh, it was, it was the, the fascination with evil. And we, we strongly are curious about evil. We, we want to know about evil things and, and so we know all about it today, don't we? And, and how grievous it is to possess the kind of knowledge we possess concerning evil. Well now, here's the good. The new heaven and new earth, an eternal God that has storehouses and, and depths of knowledge of goodness that you, you can learn these things you you can uh, as we're immersed in sin in this life you can be immersed in the goodness of god in good knowledge and in, uh, in everything that is is good and just and holy and pure and lovely and of a good report and and not uh, i guess it would not be sinking into its depths but it would be ascending into its heights of the good knowledge of God into eternity future, we progress and and grow and and mature in grace and a knowledge of God. Uh, what a glorious and beautiful and just incredible future awaits what a future awaits the child of God. When God, not if, but when God creates a new heaven and new earth, when he first destroys this heaven and earth and creates a new heaven and new earth, which he will do. And and let's read Revelation 21, as God says in verse 3 and following, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be, they will be his people. And God himself shall be, he will be with them, and be their God. And God shall, that that's the word will, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be, will be, no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be or will there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's this present world. And in verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful true and faithful true and faithful thanks for joining us for e-bible fellowship sunday bible study for more information or to hear additional bible studies be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com